Hello and welcome everyone to episode 78 of the App EVs podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rogers, and this week's episode will focus on the Aptera news for the period between September 4th and September 10th, 2022. And this episode is going to be all about the reveal coverage of the Gamma prototype. Hello everyone, I hope that you all had a great week and happy Gamma Prototype reveal day for the Aptera faithful and for those who were the enthusiasts who've been following this company grow over the last couple of years. This week's episode, you know, we, it, it was, you know, I kind of went into this weekend really excited about the reveal at the Fully Charged Live conference, which started on Saturday. But what I didn't realize was that I, I think the bulk of the information that I'm going to be talking about here is coming from some videos that were posted by a number of Aptera ambassadors who were hosted at Aptera's factory, would appear, for some kind of, it's like a, an internal, it wasn't really just investor-focused reveal, but there was basically a tour of the factory where they did a reveal of the Gamma prototype in advance of Fully Charged Live. And presumably, everyone was instructed that you can't upload any of these videos or any of these recordings until Fully Charged Live and the official reveal of the Gamma prototype is. But there was a, a few videos that went up and that's what I'm going to be discussing in most of this week's episode. And so, um, you know, the first video that I kind of went through, if if you've been following Aptera for a while, you've been on any of the webinars, you've probably recognized the name of Raj uh, Gyandeep, who has been, who's, who's an Aptera ambassador, posted a number of videos. I think I linked to a video that Raj did where he took a bar that was the width of the Aptera and he compared it in real life to what it would look like. But the, the I think the best recording I found of the factory tour was a video that he he put up and so I'm going to put that in the show notes. The tour itself it began with an overview of the production line process of Aptera and, and the you know primary primary speaker for most of it was Aptera co-CEO Chris Anthony and this review of the production line process revealed that you know there is a a 12-step process that will take around 12 minutes, you know, that will make it easy to memorize, around 12 minutes per station. That's not including the manufacturer of the battery pack. That's something that's going to occur separately in a central area of the facility before beginning the process of, of moving along the 12 steps. And you can see the role of the autonomous guided vehicles, the AGVs, moving the an Aptera from station to station as new sub-assembly components are added to the vehicle. And my main takeaway from this initial reveal of what the production line process is, is that Pavel Yukar, the VP of Production and Procurement, and Sandy Monroe's team, who has consulted on the project from the beginning, have fully planned out the factory assembly process in anticipation of ramping up production in 2023. They have thought about this very well. They have iterated upon ideas, I would imagine, and they're ready to go. This is not, it didn't appear to me to be some sort of, oh, you know, well, we've, we've mocked up what we might do. It was more, they've basically drawn up all the game plan, and now they're in the process of executing that game plan. 
There was also a Q&A after Chris Anthony gave his tour, and the at the conclusion, he confirmed that they're, yeah, I, I guess, you know, starting with the takeaways from that, you know, that Q&A portion, I want to start with something that has come up multiple times, which is the decision between using wrap versus painting the vehicle. Um, uh, according to Chris, the more environmentally friendly option that they identified would be to wrap the vehicle, and that was due to the absence of solvents from the paint process that would otherwise go into the atmosphere. And Aptera believes that wrapping the vehicle will not only save money, but it will also serve as an example to the rest of the industry. That on that cost component, you know, justification for wrap, uh, according to Chris, it with traditional automakers, one third of it sounded I couldn't hear it that well, but it sounded like he said one third of the startup spending of a, I guess, an automaker is on the paint shop alone or paint alone, which is what they're looking to avoid. And I wanted to kick that that bit of bad news for some out of the way, because I know there are a number of people that would dispute the environmental gains, especially when you consider the lifetime of having to rewrap and dispose of the the wrap of a vehicle, comparing that to paint, painting a vehicle once and then you're done. And so people, I think, would take issue with, you know, what are, is the data showing that that is the environmentally friendly option? But regardless, it looks like, I mean, all indications for a long time seem to have been pointing in the direction. It's not like Aptera has deviated from their plan to wrap the vehicle. I think what they said was, we're going to wrap it. And then a lot of people kind of pushed back on that and said, we would prefer that you painted it. And then Aptera, you know, they... They considered the idea of painting and they considered what those costs were. They were, they seemed to be pretty set on the idea of wrapping. And so I think from this point going forward, we can, you can assume they're not going to start painting the vehicle. I don't know what would, would make them go back on that. You know, maybe if there are some sort of performance issues where there's a rapid deterioration of the wraps and there are some sort of problems. But barring that, it looks like that a wrap is, is going to be the issue. I think there was at one point in the video, uh, Chris Anthony, or it might have been this one, or it might have been one of the other videos I saw where he spoke of actually the advantages of your ability to change colors or patterns on the vehicle more often by going with a wrap. So you know, there you had it. Um, in the, the next section of the tour, after going through the production process, they focus on the battery packs themselves, and we got a lot of really interesting information, including details on the final sizes of those battery packs. Specifically, Aptera will be using battery packs in the size of 23 kilowatt hours, 45 kilowatt hours, 66 kilowatt hours, and 99 kilowatt hours. And those will be for the 250, 400, 600, and 1,000 mile range Aptera's, respectively. Or not Aptera's, Aptera. I, I got to learn to to correctly use my Greek terminology. Interestingly, uh, while he didn't give more details, Chris stated that the cells for, well, first of all, I, I wanna say before he got into this, it, it was interesting to me that for the 250 mile range, it was smaller than 25 kilowatt hours at 23, but for the 400 and 600, it was a little bit larger than, you know, the what was originally anticipated as a 40 kilowatt hour, 60 kilowatt hour, pack for those but then for the 1000 mile range it actually is a little bit smaller you know if you were to basically use this 
continued projection, I was expecting that the 1,000 mile range was going to be at 110 kilowatt hours, but it's actually a little less at 99. And Chris didn't go into details, but what he said was that the 1,000 mile range Aptera is going to have a different battery pack, well, different cells in that battery pack. The other cells are 2170 cells, and he said that the cells for the 1,000 mile range or 1,600 kilometer range Aptera will be taller and fatter. And just for a quick overview, 2170 cells, they get their name because they're 21 millimeters in diameter and 70 millimeters in height. And Tesla, they made waves a few years ago when they revealed their 4680 cells, that is 46 millimeters in diameter and 80 centimeters, excuse me, 46 millimeters in diameter and 80 millimeters in height. And so those are some pretty big cells that they were going to be using in their structural pack. And so I, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what the ultimate size will be for the the largest, the longest range Aptera. You know, I you know I have a a number of follow-up questions related to that. You know, if they're if they're going to be using differently sized cells that would presumably require a different production line. And I know the the longest range Aptera right now, it already has a higher price, but I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe bumped up a little bit more just to accommodate the the difference. I mean it, it's going to be a different process of making the packs. You know that you know they're basically they're making multiple cell modules. They put them together in packs and it seems like a fairly rudimentary almost lego like process for three of the Apteras, the 250, the 400 and the 600 mile range. But then for 1000 it's going to be different. You can't just put them all together. So we'll see how that how that goes. Um Chris Anthony was also asked about the cooling challenges for the for using the larger cells on the longest range Aptera. And what he said was that that's still mitigated by the incredibly low energy draw from Aptera vehicles. You know, in, in contrast to other electric vehicles, Aptera is only at using 100 watt hours per mile. And so the battery packs themselves, they're just never generating as much heat. You know, they're they're not uh, I think what he said, what he com- the statement that he made was something along the lines of, for other EVs, they have more high capacity charging that generates a lot of heat, and they have a lot of high capacity discharging because they're using a lot more energy all the time. Aptera is not doing that, and, and so they don't need to go as far and in, in, to incorporate as many heat reducing components. And so for now, that still means that the packs are liquid cooled uh, by the base plate of the pack. And they are still aspiring to make it eventually a completely air-cooled system, which would presumably save weight, save components, maybe make it a little bit more compact. Moving on to in the overview of the vehicle, Chris shared an interesting fact when discussing the unique localized control boards that are spread across the vehicle that that'll they're basically they give the electrical signals to the different components of the vehicle and it saves weight, a significant amount of weight in the electric harness. The Aptera uh, has two door switch buttons on its doors. It has hazard light buttons, two accessory light buttons, and I guess if you add in the the stalks on the side of the steering wheel and the button rockers, and also he, he did mention that there is going to be a sort of capacitive touch button for the horn on the steering wheel. I, I think it's not an actual button you know that's it for the buttons in the vehicle 
Everything else, the center screen is intended to be used to to move the windows up and down, adjusting the HVAC system, etc., etc. And I'll say this: it, when he when he when he went through that and talked about it, you know, everything's gonna be in a console screen. You know, the air, the place that my mind was immediately going was, well, I hope they implement some kind of customizable controls so that you don't have to look specifically and keep your eyes on the center console screen just to do anything basic as simple as rolling up the windows or turning on the AC. And just as I was thinking that, Chris went and answered my question and, and allayed a lot of my concerns. Um, I'll say this, for now, I haven't used any audio clips from Raj's video, and that's because the audio is a, a little difficult, it's a little soft to hear in places, but in this section, it's fairly clear, and so I'd like to play the audio clip for what Chris said about the button rockers on the yoke half steering wheel. Uh, his question is, uh, in the production vehicle, what will the stops control and what will the little buttons on the steering wheel control? Uh, as of now, the stops are your turn signals and the brights, turn your bright lights on, and that's it. Uh, everything else is on your screen, and the buttons in the center uh, can be programmed by you to do what you want them to do. Uh, but standard uh, will be, you know, volume uh, and track. Um, skip is the easy one, uh, but you can change them if you'd like to have fan control you know, at, your, at your fingertips, and you don't really care as much for back skip. You can have one program to um, scroll through the music and then click to skip to the next song type thing. So, so volume and then click to the next song. This is pretty much what I've been asking for, you know, from the moment that I looked at the research that showed that the touch control, the rise of touch control systems in vehicles were actually creating a bit of a safety issue. And the reason why it's a safety issue is that in touch controls, you know, they're based off of the way that we all use our phones and our tablets, but we use our phones and our tablets in a certain way because we're able to look and focus on your tablet. So you, you, you look at it closely and you figure out, all right, you know, you click on an icon and you don't need, you know, it's, the difference with a car is that when you're driving around, you know, with physical controls, you don't need to look at, at anything in order to turn on the radio or to adjust the HVAC. And so what I've been wondering and hoping is that, well, you know, I hope that Aptera comes up with some way that you don't have to look at that center console screen to do just very basic, simple things. You know, you know, do I wish that there is a button for rolling the windows up and down? Sure, but you know, I'm I'm not too bothered by the idea that in order to safely roll the windows up and down, I have to wait till I'm stopped at a traffic light. If that's that's not a big deal. What is a big deal is if you know I mean, what you can expect with you know turning on music and adjusting the the HVAC. You're doing that all the time. You know, you get in a car and you realize, you know, it's a little bit hotter than I thought it was, or you're a little bit cooler than you, you thought you were, and you want to make adjustments on the fly. And if you have to look at the center console screen, that's going to take your eyes off the road. You know, the whole thing with this vision forward system is that you're keeping your eyes mostly on the road. And if you're looking at that center console screen, you're not looking at what's on the road uh, ahead of you. You know, certainly that can be supplemented by advanced, you know, maybe level two safety features that are integrated and in whatever their safety pilot system. But, you know, you should just keep your eyes on the road. But, you know, having said all of that, if if you can, you know, use the the if you can customize the the button rockers 
in such a way so that you can adjust. I mean, he specifically mentioned that you can adjust the fan speed. It suggests that my biggest concern that, you know, HVAC system, one of the most common things, you know, it's not, you know, if that's what you're concerned about, everyone who gets an app terror, they can basically change those button rockers and, and program and customize them to do whatever it is that you do most common. And that will significantly, in my mind, mitigate the taking the eyes off the road for doing something as simple as going to the next song or, or going to the next station or volume up and down. You, you can just put that on there. Um, on the topic of the HVAC, it was also revealed during this whole question session that the the vents for the vehicle, those are actually located on the center console screen itself. And if you've been looking at the Gamma prototype, you notice that there's no vents, no area for air to come out, and that's because the, the way that air is coming out is the center console screen on the, the left right side, the, the top and bottom edges of what looks like a large tablet. It's, it's apparently performing the roles of multiple components. And this, this apparently this solves some packaging issues for them. Um, the only question I have is about the airflow of coming out of that console screen instead of the dashboards, which is just, I mean, that's just what I'm used to, but that doesn't mean that that's the only way that this can work. The next feature that Chris showed off was in the, you know, basically this was, he went into a little bit more detail on how they're optimizing the manufacturing process. And they have a computer program that allows them to digitally model out the entire process of start to finish. And they can do it at an accelerated rate to see what it's like literally moving items from different components from inventory to the different stations of building the Aptera and I guess basically model out you know how how effective the process is that they've designed um, you know the way that I, this was shown where there was a, a staff member he had basically a screen that was up and you could see the 12 different steps of an Aptera and um, instead of 12 minutes, it was just every 12 seconds it would move along. And I guess you could see the components that were needed. And I, I, uh, Chris made this comment of that, you know, he's worked with multiple startups. And if he could have, if he had this sort of information early on with knowing like, oh, you know, it actually it's going to take a little bit longer to do, you know, maybe whatever step or, you know, it's only possible in order to complete these steps if all, you know, such and such equipment is located in close enough proximity that it would just save a lot of time and, and effort, um, you know, be, and, and to add to that, they've also built in a quality control component that will allow them to track every single part through the process and keep a, a record of it. So this means that if some years from now, there's a problem that develops with a certain number of vehicles, they, they aren't just going to discover, oh, you know, there's a problem with, with this customer's vehicle. They're going to be able to figure out what part was responsible for the, the problem. They'll be able to figure out, you know, how it was made and how and determine how many other vehicles are likely affected by this specific problem. All of this goes into, you know, different steps that you know, Aptera has has really put in. I mean, I guess I'll say this. I've, I'm following this company closely. I've never followed other vehicle startups as they've, as they've tried to get off the ground. But they have put a lot of work into these sort of foundational issues of just building the products. You know, they haven't focused on on making a representative product and then marketing it and then and then going back and trying to, you know, maybe build the plane as they're trying to fly. 
it looks like they've spent a lot of time and effort in trying to figure out you know, how are we going to make these at scale. Um, the, the last question that was covered in this little section that I wanted to share here is that safety testing is, is apparently that's scheduled to occur after they finalize the Delta model or the production intent versions in November. And then they're, once they do that, they're going to make a number of, I guess, um, well, I guess they won't be test mules. It'll basically be vehicles that they're going to crash and go through. Um, what Chris said in another video is that they went through the whole process of frontal crash, like near frontal. And he, he listed the different tests that they do. They went through all this before. They passed with flying co colors, including doing really well on the roof crush strength test. But, you know, this version is entirely different from the original Aptera, so that's the reason why they have to go through it again. But I think the implications that he was making was that, well, if we pass these tests, you know, 10 years ago, you know, we're gonna we're gonna crush it now. You know, I guess maybe that's the wrong language to use when talking about crash tasty safety testing. But in any case, this implication was that he didn't seem too bothered by the fact that they need to go through this because I think they've done a lot more work to make the vehicle even more safe. And it's still based on the fundamental principle of, you know, they're using composite materials with this safety cell design and the composite, you know, it, it's still 10 times stronger than steel by weight. And it's still designed in a shape that fundamentally makes it more safe than any other type of vehicle. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like they'll be able to share video of these crash tests until Q2 of 2023 so it, it's going to be a while before we see that um but it, it's funny again i went into this weekend thinking that the fully charged live was where all the information was going to come from but you know this was a uh, yeah this was this was pretty great to, to have gotten this whole in-depth tour you know, as a follow-up to the in-depth tour there was also a a you know the the tour looked at the manufacturing and then the same group moved to another section of the factory where they, they got a reveal, a separate reveal of the Gamma prototype. And at that point, Chris Anthony, Sandy Monroe, and, and Jason Hill, as well as uh, Sarah Hardwick, uh, chief marketing officer, they, they all spoke about the vehicle. And they, they didn't share as much information as came out of the production section, but it just in brief, you know, some takeaways from this part one, we learned that that little knob at the rear of the vehicle, that's for the light of the license plate as well as the reverse direction indicator. Uh, we also learned that the headlights on the vehicle are apparently very efficient and that they're using less energy, but very bright. Um, my favorite part of this reveal was the brake and accelerator pedals. Um, previously, there was a, a mock-up that they had shown of the of the gamma prototype and you could see that the the accelerator and the brake pedal were plus and minus uh, signs and then in a more recent reveal they looked like they had more traditional pedals and I was kind of bummed they moved away from that but apparently they haven't moved away from that at all in fact they improved it they still have this this minus and plus sign but the the material the pedals themselves are upcycled uh, skateboard material and I, I think they look absolutely fantastic um, Regarding the HVAC system, uh, Jason Hill shared that the reason why they've kind of been they've been silent on the vents coming out of that center console screen is that they were working on patents on that system, and, and so they didn't want to talk about it, I guess, until they got the patent. Um, and just overall, you know, looking at that Gamma version, it just, whew, that, 
that vehicle looks really nice. You know, I, I love the Luna model. Um, you know, I think the Soul version looks looks great, but the 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 Noir version, which is that I reserve, you know, once they they get some some gamma prototypes of the all black version, I think that thing is gonna look like just like a really cool personal small Batmobile. Um, you know, there's there's a, a ton of little things that of that I saw that I thought were really cool. I liked um you know they showed a little thing with you know the center armrest area. They showed that they were going to come with this pineapple leather design for that, which would be a closed compartment. But in this reveal, they had a different version of that where there was a, still this kind of crisscross pattern that looked like the pineapple leather, but instead of being covered, it was open, and those crisscrosses were elastic bands that would secure. Basically, it was a, a secured cup holder, which I I really liked. I think that's what I'm going to be going for with the interior options um, for me. If there was any any nitpicks that I had, um, I would say the when they came in with the gamma prototype, they the vehicle turned a little bit, and the rear of the rear section of the front wheel pan it looked like it was very close to scraping the ground. And considering the ground in that factory is perfectly flat, I can just imagine that you know on different types of surfaces of different. You know, that aren't perfectly level, you could end up basically, you probably end up scraping the wheel pad fairly often. I guess the good news, it's not really a nitpick. Um, Jason Hill mentioned that the Delta version of the vehicle is going to improve upon the Gamma prototype even more. And, and so I imagine, you know, much like they, they fixed the issue with the door that was hitting the wheel plants, they'll figure out how to, how to make it. I've, I have the full confidence that they're not going to ship anything that comes with basically fundamental flaws like when you turn it it scrapes on the ground um and for me the biggest thing is just that they're able to hit their their production deadlines and after this compartment you know after this presentation i'm fairly confident that they're going to do that and when they do they're going to take the world by storm Now to the last part of the, the podcast, I'm going to get to actually the fully charged live reveal. And I mentioned before that I was going to put some links in the show notes. I, you know, There's this two-minute clip from Aptera themselves of the Gamma prototype reveal at fully charged live. There's no, there's no voiceover work. It's, it's just different camera angles, and you can see what it looks like, and it, it looks great. Um, uh, there were some other recordings of the of the the overall. There was a short presentation that involved Chris Anthony and uh, Sandy Monroe spoke for a little bit, and in a short um, Q and A that you know, that I'm going to talk through here, where we got just a little bit of, of new information about the vehicle. First things first, you know, one little bit of new information. Uh, previously, I think it was in the June webinar, they revealed that you were going to be able to knock twice on the, the logo on the side of the car, and that would unlock the doors. And what we also, this was actually in the in the, the factory tour segment, but we saw it happen twice. That same trick is repeated for the rear hatch. So if you knock twice on the rear hatch, it will pop open the rear hatch and it will rise automatically. Um, I'm not quite sure that's going to be... You know, I think the people or some vehicles have added this trick with a foot sensor, 
So if you're carrying some groceries, you can waggle your foot around the rear of a vehicle and it will open. Um, I guess you would have to maybe, you know, one-handed hold your groceries and then knock with with the other. But it's it's still really cool to, I don't know, there's something about it that just seems, just adds a little bit of character and personality. And, and I liked it. I will say, you know, most of the talking points in this presentation that was given at Fully Charged Live, they were covered at the the presentation at the Carlsbad factory or Aptera's factory with most of the Aptera ambassadors. And so there wasn't a lot of new information. The major exception, um, there, there were a few exceptions to that. You know, one was, you know, seeing them knock and open the, the rear hatch, which I guess they did at the factory tour. But also, you know, Chris just you know, towards the very end just dropped the, the nugget that there will be a third seat option for the Aptera. Um, and this now leaves me in a conflicted situation. Do I keep my reservation as is that will have tons of rear storage and and likely receive it more quickly? That doesn't mean that the third seat option will not have a lot of storage, but I mean, you look at the rear of the, the vehicle, there's, there's a lot of space. You're gonna be able to fit a lot. Or do I sacrifice some storage space for a small rear seat that you know would add the flexibility of traveling you know maybe with a another person and ultimately you know i'm just gonna have to see what the third seat configuration will look like after has, has talked about this in the past that i think you know they were they were interested in doing it but there wasn't that much interest in the third seat and also i think because it was going to be so small they just they were not interested in really pursuing something that a small number of customers wanted and that was going to be an absolutely miserable experience. If you've ever been in seen the rear seat of or had, you know, the, the misfortune to be in the rear seat of a smart car, you know, that's an example of, you know, technically there is a rear seat to that vehicle. But if you ever have to go in it, it is it is not great. Um, having said that, you could fit either a child or a small adult in the back seat of one. And that's just a that's a small bit of flexibility, but you know the biggest practical drawback of Aptera is the limitation of passengers. You know, I don't know if they would make the rear seat uh, of the vehicle uh, child seat compatible, but you know that would you know that would improve it even further. But you know for me, you know it's it's me and for this Aptera, the reason why you know, I haven't been bothered by this is that you know it's just me and my girlfriend, and so two people in a vehicle. You know, that's enough for us. We can go on trips, vacations, whatever. It will be fine. But there's a part of me that, that's just kind of like I think about, you know, it's unfortunate that it could never be me, my girlfriend, and someone else, just and a friend. And adding that little bit of flexibility is, you know, it's it just removes one more barrier to getting this vehicle. In, in a way, you know, it's like, I understand like how it could be very practical for a lot of people, but it, it is just uh, just a little bit, it's hard for me to stomach a little bit the idea of buying a vehicle that I just couldn't transport people or I couldn't do some very basic things. And so all that is to say that, you know, I will be, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this looks like. It's something that I've been wondering about for a while, ever since they talked about how they increased the length of the vehicle by by four inches. They increased the cabin space by one percent. 
um, you could see that they lowered the floor and you just look at that space and, and I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm like, I'm like, you know, it really does seem like if they really wanted to, they could probably fit a seat. And it looks like, yeah, they, the answer to that is, yeah, they, they can. So now I just want to wrap things up with my key takeaways from both the, the, the Aptera ambassador focused presentation and the fully charged live presentation and, and Q and A first, as I've said before, you know, once more people see this, the Aptera, I think it's really going to take off in popularity. And what I have, I've seen this borne out by multiple posts on a range of social media channels that the Aptera booth absolutely stole the show at Fully Charged Live. It was the most popular attraction by far. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the next announcement of what the pre-order numbers are. The last one we got was they were at 30,000 but they might have a chance to hit 40 or 50,000 pre-orders by the end of the year. Second, uh, Sandy Monroe's involvement in Aptera and his, his strong seal of approval may end up being the single most critical component towards the company's success. You know, electric vehicle enthusiasts, they are likely very familiar with the teardowns that he's done of other EVs where he looks at their battery pack designs, looks at their, their manufacturing designs, and he takes a real critical eye to them. And they know that, that he has a lot of experience looking at these vehicles. He has a lot of experience in the auto industry, advising major automakers. And so the fact that he was involved at ground zero in the manufacturing process design, you know, helping Aptera to avoid the mistakes, but not just helping them to avoid the mistakes, but actually to set industry leading standards in terms of the manufacturing process that could end up being one of the company's biggest secret weapons. I guess it's not secret, you know, they were very open that they were working with him on it, but you know, you just, there's a reason why, unlike uh, every other electric vehicle startup that you see, Aptera, when they talk about their fundraising targets, this is something that I've noticed, they're all, when they set a new fundraising targets, like recently they opened a new round, they're always looking for, for something in a range of tens of billions of dollars, which you know, for the regular average person, that's a lot of money. But you contrast that with other EV startups, and they're always talking about, you know, $300 million investment, $1 billion investments that are needed to get this off the line. It, and additionally, Aptera, they, they, they set more modest fundraising targets, and they have stuck to their promised prices. I keep waiting for maybe the other shoe to, to fall on this, but the reason why they're able to stick to those prices is, is because they've they've implemented a number of, of procedures that present prevented them from you know wasting a lot of money. You know they're they're efficient in pretty much every step of operating a company. And you know, furthermore, on the Sandy Monroe topic, seeing him confidently speak of his investment in the company. That's the kind of thing that that makes I think more institutional investors look at Aptera and go, huh, you know, maybe this is this is something that will be worth worth supporting. You know, it, it's for when the person who's looking at a lot of EVs, who is well respected, looks at a company and goes, I think this is going to be the future. I think it, it turns a lot of heads, and, and so I think that that's critical. Third point, I think the Gamma reveal increase my confidence that they're going to they're going to complete their production intent model by the end of the year and they're basically going to stick to their their deadlines not only have, did they repeat multiple times and they've been saying this all year that the you know their that 
their intent is to hit a production intent model by the end of the year, wrapping up production in 2023. They have stuck to it. They have not changed that line. Um, and furthermore, you know, seeing them talk about how the factories in the process of being configured to scale up production, it, you know, it's again, I'm not trying to disparage any other companies, but the difference between the detailed plans that Aptera has and that they're willing to share on how they're going to be making the Aptera vehicles, the difference between that and other electric vehicle startups, it's pretty stark. You know, they're not just giving vague timeframes for the vehicle deliveries and just saying, oh, you know, we hope to do this. What they're talking about is, no, you know, we're hoping to put this equipment in place by this date and we're hoping to, you know, they're out here modeling out how long it's going to take for them to get from station to station and where the best location in their factories for inventory to go. That's That indicates a far more advanced level of planning for the the vehicle itself. And lastly, even though, you know, they, they look to be on schedule with their production timelines, I do have a feeling that it's going to take a while for certain customers to see the vehicles that they've ordered depending on their configuration. That may seem in contrast with my my last point that, oh, I think I'm confident that they're going to hit the production deadline. I guess what I'm saying is that having a production intent model by the end of 2022 and wrapping up production um, in 2023, you know, they've said before that they're starting with a 400-mile range Aptera. That doesn't mean that, say, someone who has the 1,000-mile range or the 1,600-kilometer range Aptera um, is going to see it fairly quickly or within... Yeah, like early in 2022 um, and uh, on the note of that of the the longest range of Terra if it's going to be using larger cells than all the other vehicles then that would indicate to me that they're going to have you know not just a separate pack validation process that they're going to have a separate production line just for those those battery packs um, uh, in the past Chris Anthony he indicated that the all-wheel drive version would arrive after the two-wheel drive or the front-wheel drive versions. And so we already know that different configurations is, is going to push things back. Um, and and now they also reveal that there's going to be that third seat option. Um, so even if they're based on the timeline that they're going to start in the San Diego area, then go into the rest of California, and then work their way east across the United States before going globally, you know that that leaves a pretty big difference between someone who maybe order the most popular 400-mile range Aptera with front-wheel drive, who's in Orange County, California, and maybe someone in Norway who ordered an all-wheel drive 600-mile version. And there hasn't been an update on the EU homologation process yet either. So, you know, at this point, who knows when that'll finish? The, the bottom line is that I think that you should, if you if you have pre-ordered a vehicle like I have, um, you shouldn't be surprised if your actual delivery date doesn't incur until either late 2023 or even 2024, depending on the configuration and the changes that you make. Now, I put down my deposit in January 2020, which I'm pretty sure that has me bef- within the first 10,000 pre-orders. Um, but I also ordered an all-wheel drive version, and I'm on the east coast of the United States. So... You know, where does that place me in terms of the eventual, you know, when I get the notification of like, hey, you know, your your vehicle's ready. How are you going to pay for it? Where are we going to deliver it? I'm not really sure because, you know, I, I think that I could be 
I could be somewhere well after all front-wheel drive versions. Um, I'm certainly going to be after everyone who's in California, um, and so we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a long ways off, and I'm trying not to get too excited, but man, you know, seeing seeing that, that Gamma reveal and just thinking about the what the Noir version of that vehicle looked like, that thing is going to be looking pretty nice. And that concludes episode 78 of the Apt EVs podcast. I hope you found this episode interesting. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell a friend so that we can continue to grow this apparently rapidly accelerating and growing Aptera movement. Also, my referral link is included in the show notes, which you can use for $30 off your $100 refundable deposit on an Aptera. The Apt EVs podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms including Apple, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, et cetera, et cetera. If you have any questions or feedback, including corrections, please send those to aptevspodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at apt underscore EVs podcast. Um, thank you to OS50 for the song Movies, and in the words of Jeff Kanata, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>